welcome to the Impact Church Podcast. Hey, we're going to wrap up our series called Boot Camp today, and Pastor Zach is going to talk about destiny. And this is really what it is. The people were released into possessing their destiny. We're going to learn about Caleb and how Caleb said, give me my mountain. And how do you take your mountain? What does that mean? And we want to talk about you realizing and seeing your destiny come into expression. So join us for this word. You're going to you're going to be blessed. Thank you. Morning, everybody. In the house and online and everywhere. I don't know how this looks, guys, but it's a big TV, eh? How's that? Uh-oh. Sorry. We'll get there. Technical difficulties. You know, I've, I've, wa- <laughs> I've watched myself back a few times, and I, I keep telling myself, don't stand in front of the TV, because oftentimes I'm like, oh my goodness. Anyways, watching yourself on camera is a lot of fun. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a lot of fun. Right? And sometimes I'm like, it used to be the, uh, the voice message on my phone. I'd, I'd hear my voice on the message machine, and I'd be like, what? I sound like that? That's crazy. But anyways, morning. <laughs> Morning, guys. So uh, you might have heard, if you're watching the, uh, uh, the pre-show today, or, or you just know in general, that this is the last of our series, Preparing to Possess the Promise. And it's actually been 13 weeks. I was looking back at that. That's a long time, eh? We did a little interlude there over the, uh, over the Christmas break. We did uh, Tis the Season. It was a good season. But the, the, the preparation to possess a promise, it's a season. It's a season. It's a season we're all in. And uh, oftentimes, you know, I've said this before, but when you find yourself connected to a local church, sometimes you find that the rhythms and the flows of your own life kind of match and mirror the flow of the house that you've joined yourself to. And uh, so uh, it wouldn't be surprising to hear a lot of people, and I've heard a lot of people in groups say that, you know, I'm in a season right now too. I'm, I'm moving into something, or, or I feel like I'm between things. Some things feel unsettled, but I've got a lot of hope for the future. And uh, you know what? Just Even just during worship today, I was just like, you know, it's incredible the hope that we have as a people. You know, I, I don't know what you, what you think about what's going on in the country right now, but I'm telling you what, there's going to be a day when there's going to be convoys of people coming to the house of God. The Bible says in Isaiah that the law of the Lord is going to go out of the house of God. It says they're going to bring the wealth of the nations to the church. They're going to bring your sons and your daughters from afar. Whatever you think about that, I'm telling you, there's something so much more glorious and wonderful for the house of God. And that's where we're going. That's a promise we have. You can find that in the Bible, Isaiah chapter 60 and 61. You can find it. God is going to see to it that this thing gets wrapped up in an amazing, wonderful way. And we have an excellent, just a fantastic part to play in that. And I hope you see it. And I hope over the last 13 weeks you've been able to see and connect some dots in your own life and say, wow, there's a promise for me to participate in. And I'm doing what I need to do right now to get myself in a spot where I can fully participate in it because it is good. Whatever's going on in the world right now, we have a hope and a future, and there's something fantastic on the other side of this. Weeks and months, and even months ago now, we heard Pastor Carl talk about an after this. There is an after this. There's always an after this with Jesus. And we're preparing to possess a promise. And as we've been doing that, well, today we're going to look at destiny because we got somewhere we're going. We got a destination, right? We're not just people with random hope. Like, I just don't have a hopeful disposition, although that's great. But my hope is rooted in something. And the Bible says it's actually Christ in you, Christ in us, that is the hope of glory. So if your eyes are looking somewhere else for something else to come along and bring hope to the world, eh, it's in us. It's right here. It's inside of you. 
We are the hope of glory, Christ inside of us. We represent the light of the world. And we've been looking at this thing. While we're talking about being on the way to destiny, we've been trying to answer this fundamental question. Are there things right now that we can do to prepare for what's next? Because we do have a next. And at the end of the book of Joshua, if you've been reading through, you can skip to chapter 24 for today if you'd like. But chapter 24, verse 2, you see Joshua and what he does before he actually exits the scene is he recaps and retells the story of Israel to Israel. And I think in one of the sermons, we, maybe it was declare or something like that, but we talked about how important it is to retell the story. And we do that every time we do communion. We're retelling the story, the salvation story of God in our lives. And it's really good to be in small groups. It's really good to get involved with other people and retell the story. Tell, talk about what God's doing in your life and just rehearse it to yourself even. Just to, to encourage yourself and encourage other people. God is alive and active. He's doing things in my life. And when I'm tempted to feel down or distraught or frustrated, I can see what God's doing in your world and I can say, next. You can hear what God's doing in me. And it's a lot. It's a lot in all of us. But anyways, he, he, he tells them the story again. And uh, Joshua 24, 2, Joshua said to all the people, thus says the Lord God of Israel, your fathers, including Terah, the father of Abraham. So he starts by retelling them the story, but he takes them all the way back to Abraham. Isn't that funny? Why didn't he start in Egypt? Why didn't he start at the beginning of their journey? Why didn't he start when they crossed the Jordan River? Why didn't he start when they got to Jericho? Why did he go all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Abraham? Because of this. Genesis 17, 8, also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. He took them back to the promise. That's where you start. You start with the word of God and you start with the promise, and that's where we start. That's where the work of God, the hope of God starts in your life, and that's where we, you know, we have words as a congregation. We have things that God's spoken over us as to where we're going. You've got promises in your own life, whether you know it or not. I'm telling you, you get yourself involved in the Bible. Ask the Holy Spirit to start to show you things. But there's promises over your, life, over your life that you can start from. Go back to the beginning. Go back to the Word of God with a promise. And it's an everlasting possession. It's an everlasting promise. So sometimes if you're, uh, especially people, you know, my peers and younger, if you're, you're trying to figure out, you know, what's my purpose? What is my promise? What is my destiny? Where am I going? Here's a key right here in Genesis 17:8. I'm going to give it to your descendants as an everlasting possession. It's something that started before you. And it's something that's not going to end with you. Oftentimes we want to pioneer things and we want to see, you know, I'm all about what God's doing in my life. One of the best ways to understand what God's doing in your life is to understand what he's doing in the lives of the people around you and what he's done before you. One of the best ways to serve the purpose of God in your generation is to have a view for what's next. If you've got kids, that's great. If you don't have kids, you're also making a contribution in the church to the next generation of the church right now. Whether you know it or not, the church in the future is going to be in large part what's happening today. So there's a, there's a way to tap into the purpose and the destiny of God when you start to see, you know what, this doesn't begin and end with me. There's a place of honor in the vision of God. There's a place of honor when it comes to understanding destiny where you say, okay, well, God, what did you do before? What did you do before in this fellowship? What did you do before in my country? What did you do before uh, in, in my family? You know, and, and he'll show you. You can ask him and he'll show you. So we start with a promise. We understand that whatever he's doing, it had a future before us and it's going to carry on after us. And we serve the purpose of God in our generation. And he reminded the Israelites, he said, you know, you know, it's been a tough road. 
I don't know if anybody can identify with that. You've got a promise from God, but, you know, things have happened. It's been tough. It hasn't been a straight line. And uh, he reminds them, you know, Joshua 24, 4-7, he says to, to Esau, I gave the mountains of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children, they went down to Egypt. So Abraham got this promise, and then 430 or 400 years later, the people of Israel are still in captivity looking for a savior. It was not a straight line. There were some ups and downs, and he's trying to help them understand, you know, the God who brought them out of, or, you know, through the impossible and the impassable once has done it before. They've got a history with God of God delivering them and setting them free. So he says, afterward, you went down into this place of slavery, but I brought you out. They cried out to the Lord. He put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, covered them, and your eyes saw what I did to Egypt. So there was deliverance. And I equate this in my own personal life and just an application that we can all take is I don't know if you've got a promise from God, but you feel like there's been times in your life where you've been doing things other than serving that purpose. It feels like you've been captured. It feels like you're, you're working towards something and you just can't connect the dots. You just don't know how does this relate to the promise. I feel like I'm giving my energy, my strength, my time, my money, everything to something that is not the purpose of God for my life. And I just can't see how this connects. And that was the Israelites. They had a promise from God that they were going to possess things, but they were taken into captivity. But God had a deliverance for them and their deliverance is a type of our baptism. The waters came crashing down over the enemy when they went through the Red Sea. Remember the story. They went through, and Pharaoh and his armies thought, I'm going to get them. I'm going to go through that same water. But the waters came crashing down, and they died. Tragic, but they died. The enemies of God couldn't pursue them anymore. And as we've seen, you know, there's fights in the promised land. There's fights. There's the good fight of faith that we got to fight when we're moving towards our destiny. But no longer are we fighting with what's chasing us. That's in the past. What was in the past and chasing you down died. It died in your baptism. That's the beautiful power of baptism, is that I was died with Christ. I went down into that water, and my past and everything connected to it stayed down in that water. Just like Pharaoh and his horses died and stayed in the, in the river, they didn't get to come back up. Your past can't chase you down. The fights and the battles that you have in the future are ones of acquisition where you're fighting the good fight of faith, laying hold of that for which you've been laid hold of. It's got nothing to do with overcoming your past. If you're struggling with your past today, let me tell you what, it died. It died. It's dead. It might speak to you, and you know what you say to it? You're dead. I died with Christ. Don't have an argument with a dead man, with a dead woman. It's dead. I have new life in Christ. Just as Christ was raised up by the glory of the Father, it says, so too you should walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 6, there is newness of life. And that's what we're all stepping into. That's what we're all... Actually, this whole thing is just about unpacking different layers of that newness of life. It's just about understanding this is who God made me to be, and I have the confidence to walk that out. I'm going to step out into the newness of life. I am a new creation. I'm a kind of person that never existed before. Isn't that crazy? I am one with Almighty God. That is the basis of Christ in you, the hope of glory. A people understanding that and rising up and doing things that only you can do when you understand that you're one with God. Crazy is that? Humanity needs something like that. We need to see that. We need to see what does it look like for a human being joined to God to walk the earth in the full understanding of who they are. Do you know what it says in the Bible will happen when that happens? Nature itself will change. Romans chapter 8, it says the whole creation is groaning, waiting for the unveiling of God. No. 
waiting for the unveiling of the sons and the daughters of God. Tell you what, when those people get, grasp this and really understand Christ in me is the hope of glory, you're not going to have another problem in your life. You're going to be the answer. So there's a deliverance. He's telling them, guys, you got delivered. What you're going into, yeah, it's going to be tough. You're going to have fights. You're going to have struggles. But you're not running from that thing that's chasing you anymore. That's gone. So look ahead. And they came out of the wilderness. And I love this. They came into the wilderness and they dwelt there for a long time. Joshua 24-7. I don't know if, you, you know if that makes sense to you in terms of this transition. We're not quite in a new building as fast as we would have liked. But on a more personal level, who has promises in their life that they're still waiting to see fulfilled? I've been a Christian for 22 years. I got promises that are like 20 years old. You know, a lot, oftentimes people get uh, saved and then they get a lot of like prophetic attention and a lot of words spoken into their lives. And I'd encourage you, if you've got those things, go back to them and keep them. Don't let disillusionment or anything like that or the, you know, the stuff you've gone through get rid of that. That's God's way of saying, you know what, I've got you. I got a preferred future for you. And you might go through some difficulty, but you know what? Remember and hang on to the word that I spoke to you. Because as surely as I live, it's going to come to pass. It will. See, uh, you can see the Apostle Paul. There's a pattern there where he saved him. And right away he said, you know, this is a guy. I've set him apart. And he tells Ananias. And, and he even tells Paul, I've got to show you all the things that you're going to suffer. But he says, you know, you're, you're a chosen vessel. You're somebody that I've set apart to bring my name before Gentiles and kings. And he told him right away, this is what your future is. And God often does that with a lot of people. So I'm telling you, don't let go of that stuff. Don't look back and say, man, that was, that was crazy. No, no, hold it. Hold on to it. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Grab hold of those things. It doesn't matter what's gone on since then. It really doesn't. Honestly, in the grand scheme of things, the grace of God is so big, so powerful, so mighty. It's actually offensive to believe that we can mess it up. I mean, our choices really do matter. And uh, how you get there might look a little bit different. There's always a, a smoother path, as you can see with the, <laughs> with the Israelites, right? They, they weren't supposed to be in the wilderness for 40 years. There was a two-year journey they could have taken. Actually, there was a nine-day journey. But it doesn't have to be that way. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. But I'm telling you, God can get you there, and he will. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to see it through to completion. And he is able to bring you before the presence of his glory, spotless and blameless. That's his promise to you. There is an election of grace it talks about in Romans chapter 9. And I'm not getting into all sorts of funny, funny theology, but God has decided to bless you and pour his life and his grace into you. And it is powerful and effective. And it is working in you, causing you to will and to do his good pleasure. Amen. You haven't missed it. You haven't lost it. Even if you've been there for a long time. A long time. James, I'm going to have words with James in heaven, but he said in James chapter 1, verse 4, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Don't like patience. I really don't. But you know what? It's not something you learn. It's not something you develop. Patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And patience is an absolutely beautiful expression of the faith of God. Uh, religion is in a hurry. Religion is stressed out. How do I make this happen? But faith says, by faith and patience, Hebrews 6, 12, I'll inherit the promises. I'll inherit it by patience. I love Rick Joyner always says, why do we have a really big faith movement, but there's a very, very small patience movement? I mean, who, who gets excited and wants to rally around this thing called patience? But when you wait, when you're comfortable in the waiting, when you see that by grace through faith, this thing is as, as sure as done, 
you can wait. And you can wait for God to work it out. Because what's happening is he's bringing out of you what he's already put inside of you. And it's like that wind-up toy where, like, the duck, you know, you turn it and it just goes around. Just waiting for that thing to stop spinning. Just stop spinning. Enter into his rest. So there's some things that we got to learn along the way. And we've talked about these things. We've talked about declutter, determine, derive, discover, disembark, declare, discern, distinguish, descry, debut, debacle, deliver. Today we're talking about destiny. But above all, in all of these things, I hope you found this theme. Pastor Carl brought this out a couple of weeks ago. One of the great lessons, if not the great lesson that we can learn, is what happens in our life and what's happening in terms of how we're going to possess the promise. It comes by faith. Hebrews 11.30, the walls of Jericho fell down faith. Faith is what got them out of the wilderness in the first place. Faithlessness is what caused them to stay in the wilderness. Faith is how they won their debut battle. And faith was going to carry them through. They fought the good fight of faith. Joshua 24.11, then you went over the Jordan and you came to Jericho. The men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hand. And he delivered them into their hand, not by might or power, by his spirit. They didn't uh, succeed at Jericho because they are fantastic in military endeavor. That was the craziest strategy you'll ever find. Right? But if they weren't settled in faith, they would have said, no, God, no thanks. I'm not walking. I'm not sure. I'm going to go sharpen my sword. And I'm going to go find a battering ram and charge this wall. But they knew it had to come by faith, and it did. Joshua 24, 13, he says, I've given you a land for which you didn't labor, cities which you did not build, and you dwell in them. You eat the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. That sounds a lot like grace, right? See, we too inherit what we didn't build. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives. As a fellowship, we have a promise we're going to possess, but all of us as individuals, we all have promises from God. God wants to do in our lives something that is so bigger than what we're able to make happen on our own. That means when you're dreaming with God, when you're listening to what he has to say to you, you have to see something that is beyond your ability. And that's tough. That's hard. For people who are like, you know, go-getters and achievers and people who really want to make things happen— that can be really tough. But that is his will. It's to do things for us that we can't do for ourselves. It, it just goes right against the narrative of the self-made man, the self-made woman that our culture celebrates. God wants to bless you in a way that is so far beyond what you can even imagine. How crazy is that? The question is, will we let him? Will we let him? Or will we say, no thanks, I'd like to do what I can do. I'd like to see what I can do. I'd like to see what I can build. But God's plan is cities you didn't build. I want you to eat things that you didn't plant. So good. Thank you, Jesus. So he blessed them. He gave them things that they couldn't have by their own works. But, 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 not everyone in Israel entered into this. In fact, only two people did. There's this incredible promise that he gave to Abraham. And then he brings the people out of captivity. They go through the wilderness. And he says, you know, uh, I've got this beautiful promised land for you guys. All I need you to do is believe me. But not everybody did. Hebrews 3, verse 16 to 19 says, For who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? 
Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, kind of gruesome, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they wouldn't enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So here's a whole nation of people that have an amazing promise from God. They've got a history of deliverance. They're getting ready to step into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, if you remember, the two spies that Moses sent out to go see what the land's like, they came back with a faithful report. The other ten spies came back and said, you know what? It's an amazing land. The grapes are huge, but we can't do it. And they doubted. And they spread their doubt and they spread their unbelief all throughout the camp. And all of Israel just got scared. And chickened out, wussed out, said, no, God can't do this, except for Joshua and except for Caleb. Only they came back with a faith-filled report, and their reward for their faith was, you two are going to make it, everybody else, because they have no faith for this in the first place. I'm going to let them come to a natural end in the wilderness so that you don't get yourselves involved in a battle that you're clearly not going to win because you've got no faith for it, and you guys are all going to perish in the wilderness. So Joshua and Caleb had to wait. They had to wait for a whole generation of people to go. It's tragic. It's tragic, but I, I love the communal side of it. See, there's something that was a promise made to the community of Israel. There was a promise made to that group of people. Two people had faith, and they couldn't enter in. They had, to, they had to wait because everybody else didn't. It was a promise to a people. We're preparing to possess a promise. God's made a promise to us as a people. He's made a promise to the body of Christ. One of the best things you can do for your life is get really stuck in to the body of Christ. Is get stuck and founded and just rooted and grounded in the church of God. That's the purpose and the plan of God for you. It really is to be part of a family. So he's got these promises. He's made them to a group of people. They didn't believe. Only two did. Fast forward 45 years, Joshua chapter 14, and this is verse 6 to 12, so I don't know if you got your Bibles, if you want to read it or not, but I'm, I'm going to read it for you. But this is Joshua now. He's waited. This whole generation of people has died. He's crossed the Jordan with this new generation. He's probably one of the oldest people. He's in the new land. They're fighting. They're winning battles. And then he goes up to, to Joshua, and Joshua and Caleb. Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. The Kenizzite said to Joshua, you know, this, again, Caleb, one of the two spies, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you've wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, as the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Think about that, waiting 45 years for a promise. Ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on that day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both going out and coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord has said. He goes to Joshua, and he says, you remember that day? Remember we went to Moses? We brought the faith-filled report. 
And Moses, God said through Moses, you guys are going to get in there. And the ground that your foot stepped on, that's going to be yours. That's going to be your inheritance. Joshua says, yeah, I remember that. I do. He blesses him and he says, this is yours. You get this place called Hebron as your inheritance. So they cross over the land. They conquer. The land's divided up into inheritances. If you keep reading through the book of Joshua, you're going to find like, you know, this plot of land goes to this tribe. This plot goes to that tribe. It's if you like that kind of thing, cool. It's a little bit boring, but I'm, there's purpose in it. But Joshua blessed him, divided up the inheritance, and there's a few things that I want to show you that we can learn from Caleb and how the land finally got divided. And it's all about destiny. So just four points I want to share with you about destiny as we consider what we're moving into. Number one, it's determined by God. We have a promise, we have a destination, and it's determined by God. And what I mean by that is God has decided that there are certain things that he wants you to have in this world. That doesn't mean you're, you're a, a robot that he's controlling. As uh, Pastor Cheryl and, and Madeline were talking about even in the pre-show, there's, there's a fantastic invitation to participate with God and working out his purpose in your life. We're not robots. We get to participate. But there are some things that he has decided and decreed for you. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to bear fruit. He has some things in your life that he is set to see happen. Hebrews 1 verse 14, it talks about uh, angels, their ministering, ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation. If you're within the sound of my voice right now in this building or on here, God has decided for you to inherit salvation. There's a grace from God to quicken you that by faith you could respond and say, yes, I believe that God loves me. I believe Jesus Christ died on a cross for me. I believe he was raised from the dead and I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. There is a grace from God for you to say that. You have been appointed to salvation. And the beautiful thing about salvation, it doesn't just mean I get my sins forgiven. It means I get healed. It means I get delivered. It means I experience the blessing of God, the prosperity of God, the peace of God, the forgiveness of sins. It's a whole package. It's the righteousness of God given to you, the power of God to make things right in your life in every way. Not only just to give you things back that have been stolen, missed out on, but to put you back in a spot where your life experience is what he originally intended for you to have. That's the power of God being given to us in salvation. It's so much more than, thank you, Jesus, I get to go to heaven when I die. And God has determined that all of us should have the full experience of all of that. The only thing is faith. You just got to believe. You just got to believe. There's purpose. There's calling for each one of us. This is part of our inheritance. When you think about these guys in, in, in the promised land and they're dividing up the lands, you and me, we're not getting like that little couple acres over there where there's a well. Well, that'd be pretty cool. No, we don't think of our inheritance in those terms. We think about it in, in solid terms like salvation, purpose, and destiny. Do you know that God has a purpose and a plan for your life that he predetermined for you from before the foundation of the world? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10, where his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. Living purposelessness, having no idea what you're here for, is not part of the plan of God. God has a purpose and a plan for you, and he can bring that to pass in your life by his grace. That's part of the blessing. That's part of our promised land. That's what he comes to awaken inside of us. He has a relationship for us with himself and with others. He has a place in his body for us. 
1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God has decided, you know, that I like you. I, I, I thought about you before I made you. You know what else he thought about? The people that you're going to participate in life with. And he thought about the, the church that you would belong to. And he thought about the opportunities that would come to you. And he thought about what being part of a fellowship could do for you. And he thought about what you could do for that fellowship. And he decided by his spirit, I want you to go here. And that's, that's, that's a promise we all get. That, that's part of our inheritance. You get to claim a place in the body of Christ. Praise God. I'm so glad. I'm so glad he's fixed my feet in a church. I'm so glad I get to do Sundays and life with wonderful people here. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand the things that have been freely given to us. We could talk about this for years, unpacking what God's done for us, what our promised land is in Christ. But I tell you what, better than listening to somebody up here with a microphone, we've been given the Holy Spirit, who is from God, that we might understand what God has freely given us. The spirit of God is at work in your life. When you wake up in the morning and you say, Jesus, before you go to bed and you say, thank you, Father. Holy Spirit is there all throughout the day. He's given you an anointing, it says in 1 John 2, that stays with you. It abides with you. It teaches you all things. And he's unpacking constantly. This is what I did for you. This is what Jesus did for you. This is who you are. There's a constant witness on the inside of you telling you what God did for you, who you are in him, and helping you to have the faith to unpack in your life what he's established you in. It's a win-win situation. Number two, you're qualified. Here's a couple interesting facts about this guy Caleb who said, give me my mountain. Joshua 14, 6, then the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of that funny name, I'm not even going to try and say, wherever it is, uh, there, the Kenizzite. Now, the interesting thing about him is Caleb's not even an Israelite. You can't trace his, his lineage back to somewhere in Israel. He's a Kenizzite. And again, if you read in Genesis, I think it's Genesis chapter 15, you're going to find that uh, uh, these are part of the people group that are supposed to be kicked out. He's not supposed to be there. He doesn't qualify. He's not Israeli. Funnily enough, neither was Abraham, but he was an Iraqi. We'll leave that there. There's also a way to translate Caleb's name to mean dog. Here's a dog. Think about dogs in the scriptures. Dogs eat their vomit. The lady that went to Jesus and said, even the dogs eat the scraps under the table. Dogs aren't good things in scriptures. And this guy's called Dog. The Kenizzite Dog. No business morally, no business ethnically, no business having a place in the inheritance of Israel. He was actually part of the group that was supposed to be kicked out. Yet he ends up with an amazing inheritance at a place called Hebron, a place of incredible significance. How'd that even happen? Do you know why? God qualified him. Colossians 1 verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. God the Father has qualified you for whatever destiny you believe is in your future. You know, you, you've got this great word. It's like, oh my goodness, God, I don't know how I'm ever going to get there. I don't have, like Pastor Cheryl said, I don't have the schooling. I don't have the money. I don't have anything. How am I going to get there? God qualified you. Right? He's the great leveler. 
Do you know what he said to be fruitful? Abide in Christ. That's it. Abide in Christ, not smart people, not powerful people. In fact, it says that God chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He chose the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are. I'm grateful to be a fool. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. God himself has qualified you. If you have any doubt ever about whether the promises of God are for you or whether you qualify for them, look at that verse right there. It's in your Bible. It's also online in the Bible. There's no place you can be without the Bible. God the Father has qualified you. Number three, you've got to fight a fight. There's a fight. We've heard Pastor Carl say this a few times over the last couple of weeks. You know, there's victory guaranteed for over your enemies that you fight. You've got to fight the fight of faith. And again, we're not talking about fighting people. We're not fighting flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. But listen to what Joshua said in regards to fighting. He said, I'm as strong this day as on the day Moses sent me. Just as my strength was, so my strength for, is now for war, both for going out and for coming in. There's two things here. Your strength is not going to diminish in God. You're not like, you haven't graduated to a place where, you know, the strength and the power of God. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's a promise for all of us all the time. But look at this. He's like, I'm as strong now as I was then. He didn't get any stronger. And strength wasn't the thing that got him in in the first place. He's basically saying, I was strong back then. But it wasn't my strength that was going to get me in. I'm just as strong now. I think he realized it's not about my strength. You got to know your strengths. You got to understand who you are. You got to know how God made you to be. But you got to be able to say this. You got to be able to say, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You got to be able to say, I'm not one of those that trusts in horses or chariots. You got to be able to say, not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Paul said, uh, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, he learned, he said, I'm going to rather boast in my infirmities or my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest on me. See, the power of God rests, first of all. The power of God rests, it doesn't strive. It finds a restful expression through those who are comfortable with their own weaknesses and know that it's not their strength that's going to get the job done. The power of God rests on me. I'd rather boast in my weaknesses and boast in my infirmities. Again, that's a little bit different than the self-made person who charges out in the world, I can do it, I'm awesome. No, Paul's like, actually, I came to you guys in weakness and fear and much trembling. But look what God did amongst you. There was demonstrations of the spirit and power. Me, myself, I was, <laughs> I was scared witless. I don't have wise and persuasive words, but what I do have is a demonstration of God. When I'm weak, that's when the power of Christ rests on me. And you know what? It, it's crazy to think you're strong anyways. It's just a lie. Embrace the fact that you're weak. And embrace the strength of his might. So Joshua, or Caleb, he gets this. And full of faith, he says, let the Lord be with me, and I will drive them out. He says, the Lord's with me. As he said, we fight the good fight by his word, a preceding word that brings faith. Remember, faith is something that happens to you. It's not something you do. And he said, give me my mountain. And that's the final point here. Your destiny, you've got to define it and you've got to own it. See, we're not just randomly going somewhere. And God wants to show you the end from the beginning. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the one who calls those things that are not as though they were. He sees where you're going and he wants you to see it and he wants you to believe it and he wants you to own it. 
I think Caleb is a little bit of a type of Christ. So let's look at Jesus just for a second here when we think about give me my mountain. When I think about Caleb, I think of him looking up at the land and he's got a sword drawn and he's ready to go. He's ready to fight. And he's like, Joshua, give me my mountain. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go kill him. But here's another guy who took a hill. It was Jesus. He took a place called Golgotha. Said, give me my hill, Father. If you're looking to see what your destiny is, if you're looking to see what your mountain is, give me my mountain. Ask yourself the question, who do I love? Here's the challenge. Let's see our inheritance. Let's see our mountain. Let's see our destiny, our promise, as other people. As the blessing of God being in full expression in other people's lives. Philippians 4 verse 1, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved and my longed uh, brethren, you're my joy and my crown. Wow. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, For what is our hope or joy or our crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? We can take the American dream out of the sense of Christian destiny and we can say, my promise is the blessing of God in other people. My hill, Father, give me my mountain, give me my hill. My destiny is a group of people that I get to bless. My destiny, my eternal reward is people that I get to pour into and serve and see the purpose of God worked out in their lives. That is my destiny. That's what I'm working for. I don't need a mansion in heaven. I got Jesus. Do you know what I want to see? I want to see the place full of people who are fully actualized and have lived fruitful lives knowing that they've given themselves in the service of Jesus. You're my joy and my crown. So, I mean, destiny's fantastic. The promise where we're going, it's, it's amazing. And there's lots of stuff attached to it. And, of course, God's going to bless you like crazy. It's his plan. Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in good health. God has stuff for you. But he wants this stuff worked out in the service of the people that he died for. For the joy set before him, he despised the shame and endured the cross. So give me my mountain. I hope that's a cry that just resonates inside of you. Like, God, you got a promise. You got a destiny for me. I'm ready for this. Let's go. But I hope that you see it as people. I hope that you see it as an opportunity to serve. God, give me more stuff. Give me more things that I can bless more people. Give me more influence so I can share your goodness with other people. Amen? All right, quick little summary here. Are the things we can do to prepare for what's next? I hope you've been able to find a lot of them. This is just, uh, <clears throat> this is my personal takeaway. This is me here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15. It's talking about the Israelites who got stuck in the wilderness and didn't make it into the promise. And again, how many times do you know when you see stories of people who, they got incredible potential. They've got so much going for them, but there's this thing called failure to launch. They just don't get into it. The potential's never realized. It's never actually actualized. I don't want to be that person, and I don't want to see anybody here that person. Hebrews 3, verse 15, it says, Today, as in right now, if you will hear his voice, hear his voice, there's a preceding word from God. God is speaking even right now. And I pray that you'd hear it. I pray that you'd hear that, the Holy Spirit showing you the things that are yours in Christ Jesus. And I pray that even right now, by the Spirit of God, you're seeing things for your future. I pray that you're seeing things that people are coming to mind. How you can bless people. How God wants to move through you in other people's lives. I pray that even right now you see that. By the Spirit of God. 
Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as the day of rebellion when they didn't believe and they weren't able to enter in. Don't harden your hearts. There's a word from God that's coming, activating, equipping us, imparting faith to us. So tell you what, it started in faith and it ends in faith. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So here's the deal. Let's hear and see what he's showing us. And let all of our maturity, all of our development, all of our, you know, growth, let it all just capitulate into this one thing. I only do what I see and hear my father doing. And if we can do that, I'll tell you what, we are successfully prepared to possess the promise. Amen? Amen.